everyone, this is Shannon Morgan and you are listening to episode 17 of Sound Mind, a place to openly discuss the struggles in our minds, including mental health, trauma, addiction, and more. I am not a counselor and this podcast is not meant to replace professional therapy, more like somewhere you can go to find connection and learn how other people's experiences can aid in your own journey. Speaking of which, I work in the field of behavioral health as a peer and youth support specialist. Working with both adults and children, I share my lived experience experience with mental illness, trauma, and addiction in order to connect with clients and help them see that they are not alone, helping them to share their own story, set goals, build hope, and live more self-directed, purpose-filled lives, which is a spirit I'm bringing to the show. The website for Sound Mind is soundmindpodcast.com. There you will find social networks, learn more about guests, and where you can leave a comment or send me an email, and I would love to hear from you, especially if you'd like to be a guest on the show or you have a reaction to an episode. Now, on to today's guest. Travis Abbott is a musician, researcher, and podcaster who aspires to create things that have a positive and thought-provoking impact on listeners. A few years ago, Travis began counseling in order to confront severe depression and suicidal thoughts, as well as to work through some traumatic events from his past. From this, he was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder and reactive attachment disorder. Since his time in counseling, he has experienced considerably less depression and has no suicidal thoughts at all. Travis talks about his journey from what he describes as the end of the line to his eventual rebirth through the help of therapy. He believes that the destigmatization of men's mental health is of critical importance to the overall well-being of a community as a whole and that it takes courage to break cycles of abuse that have been passed down for generations. And with that, let's meet Travis. Hello, hello. Oh, hello. Hi. Let's do this thing. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, Travis, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Um. So... My name is Travis, <laughs> um, but uh, so I'm uh, I'm 33 years old. Um, I grew up in Nevada, and then I moved here for college uh, to go to Boise State. And um, I've just kind of it's been a continuous process of growing and kind of exploring things. I'm a musician, so I I've spent a lot of time getting involved with. <laughs> I guess the music community here in Boise and, uh, mm -hmm. I generally try to be, uh, involved with things, uh, to the best of my ability, um, which is important because mm -hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to try to do stuff that I'm not quite capable of doing, but I guess, yeah, that's about a, that's a quick synopsis of, of who I am, I suppose. Awesome. <laughs> well, can you tell me a little bit about how you grew up and how that's impacted your mental health? Um, yes. So I, I, I grew up in a really small town, uh, in Nevada and, uh, it was only 1500 people. Um, the household I grew up in was pretty chaotic, which is something that I didn't necessarily, I wasn't quite aware of until I did counseling, but mm -hmm. there was definitely some, some strangeness about what I grew up. Um, there was a, I mean, just a couple examples I'll give. I won't go into too much detail, but uh, there was a martial arts studio that was ran out of my house, and there was another adult male that lived with us. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
I don't know if you or anyone else listening has ever seen the movie, the art of self-defense. No. It's a, it's a more recent movie, but the, the, this guy who was basically running this martial arts studio was very similar to that character in that movie. Um, where it was like, I was just kind of raised as a child with this overwhelming sense to, I guess, be tough and be able and willing to be violent, which is, I mean, obviously we've, there's plenty of evidence to suggest that that's not a healthy way to grow up. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I kind of grew up kind of being taught that let, you know, (laughs) violence was around every corner and it was something that I always had to be aware of, but even though I didn't really experience it that much outside of the house, it was something that really had an impact on my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, And eventually, yeah, it would kind of blossom into something that I needed to get addressed with my own mental health eventually. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I, I had a, I mean, um, uh, one of my parents was really, really supportive and I grew up in a, I guess a fairly regular environment. I, I had friends and I played sports, but I think that's a lot of, a lot of things with childhood is, is you, you don't realize how destructive some patterns are until later on in your life when you find yourself self in a position where it's like, well, I, there's something, there's something that I got to work on. So I guess that's the best way I can describe my childhood. Okay. And you were diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder and reactive attachment disorder by your therapist a couple of years ago. Tell me about that and how that, how your experience of those things has evolved. So, uh, yeah, when I very first went into counseling, um, I knew that there were some issues and I knew that some of it might equate to uh, what would be considered post-traumatic stress disorder Mm -hmm. because I knew there were... There were, I knew going in that there were a couple events that I needed to address, but I wasn't necessarily aware of all of the events and the memories that would come up. Mm. Um, and reactive attachment disorders is something else too, because it's, it, it's a, it comes down to, or the way that, uh, RAD kind of comes into existence is when a really young child or baby is not able to form a secure attachment with a primary caregiver. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and that was something that like, once I went into counseling, it made sense. It was like, okay, that does make sense because um, I think in our culture, it's actually very fairly common for young men to be raised on like basically an overdoing of the cried out method or kind of not just not Developing that secure attachment with, with a parent. Yeah, and it was a, a once I was able to go through things that were these knots that were kind of tangled up in my subconscious, I guess, if we're going to put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it came as a shock, but the more that I did counseling and talked through it and did the work, uh, the more that made sense and the more that I was able to. Uh, use tools to kind of navigate mm-hmm. um, these things that I, that I had to deal with. And uh, it, 
Yeah, it was shocking, but it was it was also something that I think was necessary for me. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of men in our society where we're kind of raised to be, um, you know, pretty like, I don't know what the word I'm looking for right now is, but it's like an it's, alpha male or. A- yeah, kind of being raised to not communicate or show mm-hmm. emotions or, or, or even to really uh, show anything other than like. I guess you're tough in some way yeah, kind of thing and, and, and how that's ultimately destructive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that leads to a lot of the toxic masculinity that we, that we witness and that we're witnessing these days as well. Mm-hmm. If, if that makes sense. It does. It sounds like therapy has been really helpful for you. Uh, yes. Therapy. Uh, it, and it was something that I volunteered it was something that I knew that I had to do myself. I just kind of reached this point in my life where I knew that there was something that needed to be addressed. So, um, I chose to go into therapy to improve myself and improve my relationships and, uh, and find ways to, uh, I guess, move forward with my life in the most constructive way and also to be a better part of my community and my social circles. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, therapy definitely helped. Um, the one thing though with therapy is I went in kind of naive, just kind of thinking that I was going to address a couple issues. Like I said, maybe a couple of events from my past that were, that had me, that led to me having hangups. Mm-hmm. But what I was not prepared for was to kind of go through all these memories and things that I had forgotten. And, uh, almost being overwhelmed mm-hmm. by what I was uh, recalling during my therapy. So yeah, it was, uh, it wasn't easy, but it, it ultimately helped in the end. Yeah. Did you do any specific type of therapy or was it just general talk therapy? Uh, talk therapy. And then um, we did a, I can't think of, can't remember it right now, but we did this process where I had headphones on and there was like uh, these clicks and I, I can't it would go remember it. One ear and then the other. Yes. It's, yes. Yeah. I think that, I think that's EDMR. Yep. That's, that's exactly it. I couldn't remember it until then. So. <laughs> that's supposed to be very, very, um, a very su- a successful therapy, therapeutic model. Uh, and I would say that I would attest to that. It, it did lead to some success. Uh, for me, because going into therapy, I, I definitely experienced uh, frequent, severe depressive episodes. Um, I had suicidal thoughts for as long as I can remember back to about when I was about six or five years, five or six years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and then going through therapy and kind of going through that, uh, what I just described is the period of shock of having to remember things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that E, uh, EDMR, mm-hmm. uh, going through all that, uh, I would definitely say helped because I've had zero suicidal thoughts since then. That's awesome. Yeah. Even, even though during the time it was, it was, it's pretty rough to, to really untangle those, those, uh, the bad programming in your mind, yeah. so to speak. And uh, I definitely do not 
uh, suffer from as much depression either since I've done this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I would definitely say ED and I'm, I'm saying that right. Right. EDMR. EDMR. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah, I would say that that was something that did help out substantially. Yeah. That's what sucks is, uh, most therapists aren't seeing people in person. So you, you have to be there in person to do EDMR. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, yeah, that's one of the challenges of, uh, modern times. Yeah. COVID. Even though, yep. And I did a uh, therapy from 2017 to 2018 mm-hmm. and uh, I've been taking a, basically taking a break since then mm-hmm. I would definitely not like say I'm completed or completely done with therapy because I think it's a continuous process mm-hmm. and it's something that always always requires work and uh uh attention yeah for sure I'm this I, I I was in therapy and I got a lot out of it and it really helped then I took a few years off and now I'm thinking it's time to get back into it Right. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm right there with you, especially with, uh, the times. Mm-hmm. It's really stressful um, living like we do. Yeah. And yeah. And you're, you're spot on with, with the challenges with something like EDMR without being able to meet up with your counselor in person. That's mm-hmm. because yeah, EDMR in some ways, or maybe in perhaps in many ways I can say it, saved my life. I think the overall process of counseling and having someone to talk through stuff was, was Mm life-saving in in so many ways. So, I mean, it's definitely something that I would stand by and recommend to people that are thinking that they, especially men in this world that um, are questioning whether or not they need help. I I think a lot more men need help than they, uh, than they may realize. Mm Mm-hmm because there's definitely a lot of destructive patterns in our society that kind of get us to think that we're indestructible in, especially when it comes to our mental health or that mental health is a non-issue when it, uh, it certainly is an issue. <laughs> yeah. Men are taught that to tough it out and you're just to see if you go for therapy, things like that, those like you're saying, toxic masculinity and all those messages that men get their whole lives, not just from their parents and friends, but from the media and, um, you know, all over in our culture. Yeah, then that's, that's absolutely correct. And it's, I know that it's from personal experience. I know that it's tough for men to open up about mental health issues or talk to other men. Um, and that's only a product of conditioning. Mm-hmm. I would, I would say um, once you kind of cross over it, even though it might be painful at first, it's, it's, it becomes easier to kind of address these issues, even within your friend circles. And Mm -hmm. I think in a way it has an effect that helps everyone else in, in your social circles too. Like anyone from any walk of life or whoever they are or what they identify as, um, the more that you're able to kind of address those issues within yourself, the more you're able to communicate with others and understand other people better. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's something that has this positive, or I believe we'll have it a positive kind of chain reaction on, on an environment or your world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If that makes sense. It does make, it does make sense. 
So how has your recovery impacted your relationships with other people? Uh, it's definitely, I mean, it's, it's helped on so many levels. Um, I think one of the levels too is being able to set boundaries, mm -hmm. um, and also have, if this makes sense, have boundaries set on you as well. When someone else sets a boundary with you, you're a lot more accepting and yeah. understanding, especially with something like reactive attachment disorder, where if someone sets a boundary with you, your, your instinct is to like, kind of resist that rejection kind mm -hmm. of thing where you, you kind of interpret it as something like, Oh, I'm not good enough. Or I, I've, I'm somehow, I believe that I'm perceived to be inferior in a way, mm -hmm. which, which is a, a big thing with uh, reactive attachment disorder, but being able to set boundaries and kind of respect boundaries. Um, that's something that's helped. And also if I know that I'm kind of, not feeling, uh, that great mentally, I'll, I can talk to people easier and kind of let them know. I mean, it's still a work in progress for sure, mm -hmm. but it's definitely improved a lot since, since going through and doing all the, all my homework, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So I, yeah. And it's, it's, it's been great. And, uh, like when I, when I first started counseling, um, yeah, a lot of things became somewhat overwhelming. So my social circle, uh, got really small and it wasn't that I was trying to necessarily get rid of everyone in my life, but it was like, I had to kind of set that boundary with myself and keep my social circle small. I, I got off a uh, social media, um, spent more time out in nature and hiking and really kind of finding, creating a space for myself in order to kind of assess where I was at, uh, mentally. Um, and I, I kind of just forgot where I was going with that. But it, when we were talking about relationships, that was the thing too, was, uh, during this period where I was, um, doing this therapy, uh, I had to really find ways to be careful with my with my relationships, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. especially since it was a such a vulnerable period for me because, because of what I was trying to unravel in my mind. Sure. You needed to contract so that you had the space to grow. Yeah, exactly. And it, and that's the thing too, is as dark as it sounds, um, what kind of led me to counseling was, basically what I consider to be the, my end of the road mm -hmm. where I was like, I, I was at this point where I, I was like, I don't know where else to go. So I think, you know, it's either option a, which is counseling and getting help or option B, which is some probably something much worse. And, you know, and, it, and once I reached that point, it was, it was kind of like, that's what inspired me to do counseling. Mm -hmm. And uh, and the thing that I would say for that is that's why as a society, we need to destigmatize men's mental health because I think a lot of men will only get help if they're, if they reach that point themselves. Whereas if we were to address this issue sooner, um, they wouldn't have to go that far sure. in order to get, or be pushed that far to, to get help. So it's, 
yeah, it's, it was definitely something I would recommend because, uh, there's a lot of things that I, I think, or I believe ought to be addressed for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say, um, that's very true for, well, I mean, gosh, for men and, and for some women, it's kind of the same thing. You're taught, you're, 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 the society is just so go, 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 go. And you got to be on top of things and you got to have all your lists and you got to have all your committees that you're on and stuff that you're doing and your kids have to be a perfect and, you know, there's yeah. all this pressure and it builds and builds and builds, but who has time for therapy? And it's definitely way worse for men, um, the stigma about getting therapy than it is for women, but it's hard, I think, to make time for it's hard to to recognize when you need to make time for it until it's too late. And then you're completely overwhelmed and suicidal and it's a lot harder. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, that's, that's all spot on. And it's, and it's a pattern that's unfortunately too, uh, uh, I guess, prominent in our society where I, I believe that mental health is something that should be addressed from, you know, from the earliest possible stages mm -hmm. because, uh, because yeah, it, it can lead to the absolute most destructive path if, if not addressed in a, in a healthy manner. Yeah, so. it really would as a society. I mean, if you want to look at it from cold, hard economics, it would definitely improve the economy and improve <laughs> so many things yeah. if people were getting the, the mental health care that they uh, needed to have, because everything would chug along a lot more smoothly <laughs> if we did. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think we, it, it would just lead to better problem solving because mm -hmm. the more that you're able to communicate, mm -hmm. uh, your, your feelings or your ideas or what, or what else, you, whatever else you may be going through. Um, and the more that people can communicate amongst each other, I mean, yeah, it would just be, <laughs> oh, got to clear my throat really quick. Good. <laughs> it, it would just, uh, I mean, yeah, you you would see results across the board. I feel. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's it's it's definitely something that like like this podcast. It's it's something that should be talked talked about a little bit more and and with more acceptance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why I do it because people hearing other people's stories helps a lot. Yeah, and yeah, if I've when a uh, Landon kind of reckon or he he kind of connected us to and mm -hmm. I went and listened to his podcast and a couple of other podcasts and it was, it was great to hear uh, other people's stories and experiences so yeah that was awesome I'm glad you listened to him yeah I uh I used to be a journalist and I had a podcast about politics and I always wanted to have another podcast, but then I started, I, that's what I do for a living is I work in mental health as a peer support specialist. And so I'm like, Oh, that'd be good. That'd be a good podcast to have about mental health because people will be able to hear it and go, Oh, look, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not so alone. This isn't just me over here in the dark. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, yeah, just, you need, I love how you have those descriptions too, because I can kind of go through and see similar kind of stories from uh, similar people. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that, yeah, I'm, I'm in full support of. Cool. Well, let me ask, what is the biggest hurdle in your recovery? Um, so the, I think there was a couple, um, 
I think setting boundaries with a, a parent uh, that was not easy mm-hmm. because especially with this particular parent, I, it was almost like one of those situations where it's like, you look at this parent as this um, mistake free, righteous person mm-hmm. that you've put on like a pedestal. And so like your whole life, every decision is kind of dictated by what they think is right for you. And I think with counseling, uh, I learned that it's okay to live your own life and make your own decisions and, and to not allow someone to have that much, uh, control over what, what you're doing as a person. Um, and yeah, and I, as much respect as I had for this particular parent, I think setting a boundary was the right thing to do, mm-hmm. but it was also the hardest thing to do for sure, because yeah. it's, it's not necessarily coming from a place of negativity or hatred, but it's when the alternative is something darker, it's boundaries have to be set. So I I would say that that was the, probably the biggest hurdle and that, that boundary is still set for me and it, it, but it, it has to be until, until I'm ready, until I'm prepared to kind of open that door again, Mm -hmm. because sometimes, and I think, other people can relate to this. Sometimes, you know, parents can uh, have a negative impact on your own mentality. Oh, sure. Um, and I know there's a cliche that's kind of gone around. It's like before you diagnose yourself with depression, make sure that you're not surrounded by Apples. jerks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, was like, I wasn't sure if I could say that. You can say it. <laughs> and there's a, there is a lot of truth to that too, because you can find yourself that way with the friends that you're surrounding yourself with. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and yeah, and there's some truth to that. And that's something I learned from counseling was like, oh, okay. Um, a big part of my depression comes from, you know, not, not even knowing how to set boundaries with people like that. So the altogether, that was probably the biggest hurdle. The the other one I've already mentioned where it was like, when I went into counseling, I was thinking I just had to address a couple issues. And after a few months, I'd be good to go. Everything would be great, <laughs> but obviously to end that way, or because when I went into counseling, you, you go through everything, you, uh, you go through everything to identify, as I keep saying, those knots that are tangled up in your brain and, uh, I was not prepared to, to kind of be in a state of shock for six to eight months, really. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's what led to me like really making my social circle as small as possible and getting off of social media. Cause yeah, for about six to the first six to eight months of counseling, I was pretty much in a state of shock Yeah, from, from everything that I was unraveling. So those are definitely the two biggest hurdles for sure. Well, what tools have you used to maintain your mental health? Um, For me, uh, hiking and being out in nature and kind of learning more about the wilderness and Mm kind of that, that's one of the things Uh, I'm a musician. So music's always helped. um, And it's been, it's been healthier for me to approach music from not such a self-destructive standpoint (laughs) because I think uh, a lot of my creativity prior to counseling was 
me just taking all that, all of the, the darkness and negativity and kind of channeling it through art exclusively, which there's not necessarily, not necessarily anything wrong with that, but I think it's too much of that. It can definitely lead to a more self-destructive uh, result. Um, so being able to kind of step back and approach my music in a more healthy manner has definitely been uh, more beneficial. Uh, just having people who I know can, I can talk to is another one. And also knowing how to um, identify, I think might even be the most important thing, identify when I'm going through these phases or these cycles mm -hmm. and, and uh, yeah, I still make mistakes, of course, um, but it's a continuous process of learning and learning how to how to deal with these inevitable kind of almost depressive cycles, even though they're not nearly as uh, significant as they used to be. Yeah, which I'm incredibly thankful for. That is a real gift. Or you did yeah. the work. Yeah, and it and it, it wasn't easy, but. I don't say that to, to deter anyone from getting help themselves, but just to kind of let them know, it's like, it's like uh, hiking up a mountain, you know, it's, it's not going to be this easy thing, especially if you have a backpack on it's, there's going to be some moments where it's like, wow, this is painful. And I'm not sure if it's worth it, but it's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day. <laughs> you get to the top and it's like, whoa. Yeah. And then and it gives you that boost once you get there too. You're like, wow, that I, I accomplished this. And mm -hmm. not that I got into it to accomplish anything, but I did this thing that really made me believe in myself again and know that I can, I can overcome things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's really important as well. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, the work's never done and I've always got to do things and, to, to keep myself in check really. And, uh, I, I, I encourage just about anyone, but especially with men in our society, because I think it's, it's something that's heavily neglected is the, the mental health of, of people who believe they, that mental health is a non-issue. Mm-hmm. Don't believe it's a thing at all. Yeah. When, it, when, it, yeah, it absolutely is. <laughs> Um, do you have any gifts or abilities that you um, have because of your uh, journey through recovery? Um, I think I've been able to dial in my resilience mm -hmm. uh, a bit more where it, I'm, I'm more resilient with, with stressful situations or I'm, I'm calmer. Um. I'm able to, I think one, th one of the things is that I'm able to talk with a lot of my male friends a lot more about mental health. And mm -hmm. since it's been destigmatized in my own mind, I, I'm able to not fear those types of conversations when they have to come up. Um, and, and they do come up and I, I've been there for some of my male friends who have also been on the edge um, or to that, that dark, the darkest parts of their minds. So I, I've, I've seen the darkest parts of my minds and I'm still here and I'm still trying to do positive things in the world. And I think that in itself is a gift, um, to be able to 
go to those places in your mind and come, come out the other side, uh, a better person. And that's, it comes down to resilience and, and, uh, always focusing on, on the main goal really. And I think my main goal has always been to try to improve myself as a person. So, and that, that, that ability to focus on, on the, that goal is probably what got me through counseling because mm-hmm. like I, like I said, the, the first bit of it was pretty challenging, I would say. Yeah. But, and, and then that's a thing, another gift too. Um, the, the parent that I'm still in contact with our uh, our relationship has just blossomed since then. Oh, great. We have a great, yeah, we have a great relationship. We, we can actually talk about life and, and, and our philosophies and it, it's been great. You know, on one end, a boundary has to be set with one, but the other one, it, it's the re- relationships just, uh, it's become as good as it, as it, I think perhaps possibly it, it can be. So I think that's definitely another gift as well as those relationships that might've had hangups in your life with family members, uh, can become better. And that's definitely something to be thankful for. Mm-hmm. What things have people said or done for um, that have helped you in your your recovery? Um, I think the the people who have who have encouraged me, or if when I initially went to counseling, when they encouraged me, or they said that they're 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 proud of me for doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one of them. Um, I think just having people that let me know that they're there for me and through thick and thin, that's, that's been great too. And, um, knowing that it's something that more people than just me have gone through. Cause I, I think that's a common misconception mm-hmm. is it's easy to fall into that, that mindset that you're the only one in the entire world yeah <laughs> who's going through this and uh even though it, your situation might be unique and n- not common you're still not you're not the only one there's other people out there that have they're going through similar things and that's that's been extremely helpful to just just know that it's that's something that really uh sheds light on the, the perspective that we're all in we're all in this together, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, the more that I learn, um, and I've always kind of thought this way with with every or anything that I've kind of set my mind to, the more that I learn about it, the more that people around me learn about it because I, um, I like to talk about ideas and things. <laughs> so if I get into something, every, someone who is around me is going to hear my ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Spreading the love. But, yeah. <laughs> Some of them might even be tired of it, but you know, <laughs> I guess that's just how I am. <laughs> yeah. Evangelizing mental health. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Well, what advice would you give someone who is just beginning their recovery? Um, my advice, I guess, first and foremost is to see a professional. Uh, if you're thinking about getting help, uh, I would say do it. Um, definitely see a professional. Um, but I think for me, for my experience, I would say, uh, be prepared, um, be prepared to, to kind of 
remember things that you forgot were even there mm -hmm. and be, be prepared for some painful moments because it's, it is not going to be, um, just a walk in the park, so to speak. It's, there's going to be some things that, that will kind of leave you with a shocked in a way. Yeah. So get professional help and, uh, be prepared to, uh, be resilient and to, to do the work. Uh, I guess that's the best way to put it. Be prepared to do the work. Mm -hmm. And I don't say that to like scare. If anyone out there is afraid of work, <laughs> the word work, um, I'm not saying that to scare you, but it, it's going to, it's going to take some, some homework. Yeah. So well, it's kind of like starting a weight loss journey, you know, just an adjustment period where you're getting used to eating less and eating things that you don't necessarily like. <laughs> and then, yeah. then yeah. after a while you're like, you start feeling better and you're like, wait a minute, this is great. You know, like it still sucks, but it's yeah. also great. <laughs> and then you lose all the weight and then you're like, yep. I can't believe I waited so long to do this. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty much, yeah, that's a, that's a great way to put it. It's, it's any, anytime you kind of put your mind to improving yourself in some way, it's, there's a, there's work involved and you can't be afraid of the work you, you've got to, for me, just like anything else that I do, I, I embrace work or having to do that stuff. That's something I've never really shied away from. So for me, having, knowing that I, that was already part of my uh, mentality, it, it helped out quite a bit because yeah, if I, if I'm getting into something, I'm going to do as much research and studying on it as I, as I can mm -hmm. with it, with the time that I have. So yeah, that would be, those are my two main pieces of uh, advice. Um, but definitely don't try to do something just because I did it or that I said that I did it. Um, what worked for me worked for me. It's not necessarily going to work for everyone. Um, so it, it's something each person's path is going to be a little bit different. And, and mine certainly was something that's different. So don't try to do something just because I said it. You got to get professional help and, and learn learn what you have to do yourself. Yeah, I was just about to say Basically. that. You'll form a plan with your provider your counselor about what what different kinds of therapies there are and what your goals are and how you're hard you're going to work and all that stuff so the trick is finding that good yep, counselor throughout the bat yeah yeah and that's important too and i know i know a lot of people will jump around until they find the right counselor and that's that's definitely uh i would recommend that as well mm -hmm. i i got i believe i got pretty fortunate that i got a good counselor right off the bat. And, and also I, I just had that mentality going in that, that I had a, there was a job to do and there was work to do. So I think for me, like just about any counselor that was willing to listen to me was going to be good Yeah, <laughs> just cause, uh, I was focused on, um, addressing this issue within myself and finding a way to deal with, with these things that I, that I have to deal with. So, well, do you have any parting thoughts to share? Um, I th I think I said just about Covered everything. It. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, uh, 
the we need to destigmatize uh, men's mental health mm-hmm. in our society because I, I think a lot of our societal problems come down to issues that need to be addressed concerning mental health mm-hmm. with with men. So I, I think if there's one parting thought, that would be it. Um, and if you're thinking about getting help, uh, I would definitely recommend it. Uh, find some way. I know some friends have asked me, they've shot me a text or something saying like, who would you recommend? Where do you recommend to go? And I'll, I'll give them the, I'll give them the, the places that I've gone to and for help. And, and, uh, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll mostly I'll recommend people to get professional help if, if they are able to, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think, I think that's about it really. Well, great. Thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate taking uh, time. Absolutely. Shannon, this is this, yeah, this podcast has been pretty great to get into the last couple of days. I'm so glad that you've been listening. Awesome. Have a good yeah. day. You too. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.